That was antagonizing. I got light, brother. I got light, sister. Okay, here we go. Another episode. Second shot. Salute. My name is Chibi. And my name is Rizzo. And this is After Two Tequila Shots, the podcast where we talk about current events after taking two tequila shots. Oh, yeah. We're here again. We're, you know what? We're, we're, uh, they haven't told us to stop yet. I haven't gotten any hate mail. Well, first off, thank you to the people who do listen. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, there's people who listen. We have a sizable audience. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, we, we, we have a good time, but we talk about real things. Yeah. You know, uh, the tequila helps. I'm really thankful for everyone who DMs me at some point, just like talking about what we discussed uh-huh. and say, I, yeah, Laredo Border Fest or uh, George Washington <laughs> Fest is insane. <laughs> Like, yeah, great. yeah. We uh, we talked about it last night. We had Jr. and Pinto over, and we were talking about the whole like Latin Latinx conversation and all that. And Pinto was like, "That really resonated with me." I was like, "Yeah, we're resonating." <laughs> so we're doing good things. Uh, so let's do it again. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Uh, my name is Chibi. I am a uh, poet, performer, publisher, producer, and community organizer. And this week, shout out to my barber, Jen. Jen Chavaria on the south side because my fade is fresh and my beard is sharp. Shout out to Jen. Yeah. Where can they, where, do the, does Jen have an Instagram? Uh, and I have no idea. Oh. She's terrible about it. She actually just, uh, she just got a real estate license and she hates it because like, pre-real estate. She's never on Instagram. She doesn't respond to texts or phone calls very mm-hmm. well. And now she's like, I'm constantly on my phone and I hate it. I feel that. So, but yeah. uh, she's a, she's a dope-ass barber on the South Side, Jen Chavaria. Yeah. Very cool. My name's Rooster. I'm an author. I'm a poet. I travel and do things. No. And uh, I am, I need to find a barber. Okay. I, so I've told you about Ray, right? Uh, yes, yes, okay. yes. We talked about For those her. who don't know, <laughs> Ray is my barber. He lives right up the street. He lives in his barbershop. Uh-huh. Ray is really, really old. <laughs> but Ray has great quality control. He uses the straight ragers. Plus, it's only like $10 to $12 a cut. Okay. And he does great work. Okay. But he's gotten so old that now I think all the cuts are just the same. <laughs> and he's not listening to the instructions anymore. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I have to find a new barber. I went to Diesel. Have you been to Diesel or mm. know what Diesel no, is? No, I've, I've been with Jen for like the past like five years. Okay. I've li- I may have to hit up Jen. I've literally followed her everywhere that she goes. It's not a $10 haircut, BT dubs. I'm with that. She I charges went- 2023 prices, That's even not though bad. she's on the south side. <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah. No, because yeah, Diesel was like 75 bucks. Oh. But then they also like massage you oh. and do other like it's very weird. It's it's also it feels like you're in like a juvenile teenage boys oh. like mind because no. there's so many conflicting just posters, art on the wall. It's like Elvis no. and Marilyn Monroe. This is and, true. Jen is true South Side yeah. barber. Like she, it's on Palo Alto yeah. Avenue or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's an elementary school across the street. You walk in there, the place is half under construction, half completed, mm-hmm. uh, and she just she just does straight up, you know, like, we're going to cut your hair, we're going to do your beard, eyebrows too, you know, we'll do the whole thing, mm-hmm. hot towel, no massage. Sure. But the other thing that I love about Jen, because I'd found other barbers that I was, like, cool with, uh, like, did a good job, but, like, Jen 
knows when to and when not to engage in conversation. Love that. That is so crucial in the barber world. Because some barbers be like, you know, prophesizing and dissertating all over your haircut. And you're like, God, man, we just like, I just Mm want to get my haircut right now. Or what are you even talking about? You toxic masculine man. Or I mean, well, let me ask you this question. Do you like talking to Uber drivers? Uh, as a former Uber driver, again, mm. it's about knowing, you know, mm. s- like some Uber drivers don't want to engage in conversations. Mm. Some do. Definitely if I'm in like in a city that I've never been in or whatnot, I might ask a few questions, you know, but I'll gauge it. If the Uber driver does not feel like they are too wanting to engage, then I just put my headphones on. Yeah. You know, so it's an ebb and flow. I hear that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a talk to the bar type person and then i get into the more awkward conversations where it's just like so haircut no i know everything about jen's life and she knows everything about mine that's why i'm I'm just always dusty because i just let the hair grow grow (laughs) until eventually i can't fight it i'm gonna give you jen's uh contact info she's on booksy so for anybody in san antonio looking for a great barber uh, we just spent five minutes talking about jen and we have so much to talk about today uh let's talk about this tequila first okay centenario grand centenario Grand Centenario. You're missing a syllable. Oh, am I? Cent- centenario. <laughs> centenario. What was I saying? Centario? Centario. Oh, my bad. Uh, Grand Centenario. Centari- centenario. Now and you got me fucked saying, up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have had two of these. That's the second tequila shot. And it is a reposado. 100% de agave tequila. Uh, this this tequila was introduced to me by my father, and it's like the tequila of the Orduña family. Ooh. Like, that's what just about everybody drinks. Like, that's the standard. Uh a, a little bit pricier than last week's 1800 sure. Uh But like you said, it's got a nice little lingering aftertaste. The aftertaste is the best part because mm. right? it comes in very musky and like uh, mm-hmm. unctuous mm-hmm. from the onset. But then it mellows out and now it's just this warm, oaky mm-hmm. just vibe. I'm going to need another oaky vibe uh, before we get into this because <sighs> it's up there. We got so much to talk about, y'all. Just j- dive in. We We like... It's this week has been a month, y'all. This week has been a month. Let's just dive into the major news events of the week. Here we go. And it goes. Let me start here. How much do you? How much do you personally, Chibi, care about British monarchy? I care as much as uh, scripted drama TV has given me. Really, I'm here for the crown. Uh, I loved uh, Elizabeth Cape Blanchett, sure. you know, Elizabeth. But and the Elizabeth actual too. people, not actors. Not who a do. goddamn. You weren't like big, heavy Diana. No, I was too young, okay, uh, honestly. See, I caught some of that wave. So like, I'm I, just old enough that I caught. I love reliving it yeah. via The Crown. Sure. You know? Because um, I think I was in like six or no, actually, I take that back. I think I was like a freshman in high school when she died. Yeah, I was probably like in. Sixth grade or okay. so, too young to care, yeah. and and that, and even again, you know, growing up on the Texas border, what the fuck does the British monarchy have to do? With no, one hundred percent. Well, <laughs> and it was this weird thing growing up because my mother really does like Diana was huge to her. She really mm. thought almost like another like Mother, mother Teresa, Teresa type yes, yes, yes. But then also she represented this interesting mix of privilege, title. Mm-hmm all the pomp and circumstance behind these titles that she she had but then also a very a, a humility that was very human mm-hmm. and kind of mattered a lot so, mm-hmm. so for some reason my mom just loved 
Princess Diana. Sure. And the queen was very pro-queen. Sure. Uh, but the reason why we're even talking about the monarchy is because apparently <laughs> uh, Harry and Meghan Markle are kind of kicked out of their, their estate here. They have a, according to CNN, uh, they were told to vacate their UK home, Frogmore Cottage, uh-huh. which has a name. Frogmore Cottage. Cottage. It's got. This is how you know it's British. It has those heavy uhs and mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. assonance is deep. Yes. Uh, so, I guess, do you? Would you be upset if the monarchy went away? No, not at all. I'm confused why the monarchy is still a thing. I also don't know that uh, my opinion matters because I'm not British. You know. Do you feel as an American we have the we need to defend Meghan Markle? Y- yes. Ish? No, because I don't care. <laughs> like, oh, no, like, yeah, this is literally why. Like, because uh, see, this is big news in the news. In the news, but for us, and I mean, ho- I don't know. Maybe there's listeners who really genuinely care about the monarchy. We would love to hear your thoughts after two tequila shots at gmail.com, Please, yeah, why? Why is it such a thing? Because yeah, after because Di- really, for me, I guess at least, the passing of Princess Diana changed. So much of what the monarchy meant, I guess, even mm. for me, where it was like, no, these are relics that are living and important. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost like a living Alamo because we live in San Antonio. We have the sure. Alamo and we hate the Alamo sure. locally, but it's still this booming tourist thing. Mm-hmm. We don't understand why people love it so much. Mm-hmm. They want to expand it. And that's its whole other conversation. I was about to say, but we don't mm-hmm. actually pay for the Alamo, but now it looks like we are going to be paying for the Alamo. Turning it into a whole touristy thing. Uh-huh. And I guess that's also part of it, too, is is going to a place like London, uh-huh. what Buckingham Palace means, the House of Windsor, all these other... Buckingham Palace place. should be an orphanage. Okay. It, would be, it would be better. So I don't know. I'm just saying. It's like probably the, the, haunted. You want to put the orphans in a haunted? <laughs> I'm just saying there's a whole lot of real estate. There's a whole lot of, like, you know, the, the United Kingdom is not, there's not a lot of land there. Sure. You know. And, Very true. And, it is island. And the royals seem to be occupying a whole lot of real estate right. there that could be better used for an orphanage, housing, public parks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, I, I don't care. And um, I, I, when they hold, like they renounced their titles mm-hmm. right uh, a while ago, um, so I understand how they're like, well, you're no longer part of the royal family, so you can't be on royal property. Does that make? Is uh, that what? Yeah. Is that what it is? Well, apparently it's because of Harry's new book, which I have not read, and uh, and and a I've lot of the it. Harry and Meghan interviews that have been coming uh-huh, out, the whole Oprah thing, a lot of it's very the messy, racial thing. It's, it's very petty, messy. and yeah, and. You know, I don't think that the monarchs would appreciate it. <laughs> but I mean, are they ever gonna get like an update? Like, is there gonna ever be like a Gen Z? You know, like Gen Z king. Yeah, like Williams. I mean, that was child. that was what the last queen was essentially. Like, didn't she like become queen at like age oh, yeah. of like nineteen or yeah. something like that? So, so like uh, an emo or Gen Z. Royal is awesome. Kind of, I mean, and we just gotta wait for it. I think akin to this uh, is this the the Supreme Court argument of like, should there be like a term limit? Right? Should there be a term limit for royals? Should there be a term limit for like Supreme Court justices? To where it's like, all right, now we're talking. You you've been here for a minute. It's time for you to go. What even if, if, and then they get to vote on the next. Royals for a decade. It's something to where it's like Hugh Grant that, that could brings, be King Hugh Grant. He could. 
It could be Queen Kate Blanchett. King Paddington Bear. King. <laughs> this is as far as I know King about. Ian McKellen. Yes. Yes. See, now. But he's also old and dusty. True. But I mean. But great. he's of the people. King Patrick Stewart. I, Make them both. Okay. So this is, this is, we are now putting out a petition to where we should uh, vote on future kings and queens. Yeah. It shouldn't be a dynasty thing. Do you think America is always better served by not having a uh, diplom- a di- diplomatic figure like royal? Like monarchy? a royal? Yeah. Because um, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it is cool that there's a country <laughs> with a monarchy. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool until you think about what the monarchy did. Well, I mean, yeah. So then it's not. Well, you can say the same about our democracy. This is true, too. Yeah. So just government in general. Sure. Should burn to the ground. This is really where our, after after two tequila <laughs> shots, should just be like dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Burning down. Yeah. Anarchy. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk anymore about the monarchy because we got enough problems at home. Yeah. All of these things happened this week. Mississippi and Tennessee both banned gender-affirming care for trans minors. Mm -hmm. Tennessee also made it illegal to perform drag in any public spaces. The Oklahoma House passed a terrifying bill that would effectively ban gender-affirming care for both minors and adults. Arkansas lawmakers advanced a bill that would make it illegal for a trans person to use a public restroom at the same time as a minor. There was a lot that happened there. It's a war on... It's a culture war that Republicans are fighting because they don't have a platform on anything else. Uh, most Republican states and areas really do get overlooked in terms of their needs and wants because of these culture wars that mm-hmm. Republicans fight. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is always the ghost in the closet, mm-hmm. you know, to use a metaphor, that's coming to get your kids. Mm-hmm. It's always the thing that's going to, you know, and I'm, I've been tired of it. But now it's 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 at this place where, yes, legally they're making these rules that are crippling to a lot of, of individuals for a number of different reasons. That is l- literally trying to erase the existence of of people. Um, this <laughs> to go to go to the stream, this, this is feeling like Nazi Germany, you know, to where it's like these people are bad and can't exist. Because what I was reading about the uh, Tennessee law on uh, banning drag performances is that it's any kind of like gender bending thing. Yeah. So trans individuals could be arrested literally for just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even about a performance. It's about, you know. You're, you're in public where. You're yes. in public in a gender that is different from whatever you were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. And that is now illegal in Tennessee. Yeah. And. How is that any different than being a Jew in Nazi Germany? Right. Like, this is terrifying. True. And also completely misguided. Did you see the clip uh um, it's the John Stewart. Yes, I did. Yes, so that clip's been going around. It's it's uh, gotten a lot of traction. Uh, where if you haven't seen it yet, he's talking to an Oklahoma state senator, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and the Oklahoma state senator is like pre- defending this uh, this law, saying like we're trying to protect our kids. The government has a re- a, a responsibility to protect our kids, and he's literally. Then told, like, the number one killer of children is guns, mm-hmm. not drag queens. Right. 
And did you see the entire clip or the just that part? I saw, I saw a substantial part of it, okay. not not the whole interview. Well, because the whole premise of it is John Stewart is arguing with this individual about the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and this guy does not want to bend on on gun rights. Uh-huh. It's, it's any any type of background checks, anything like that. Anything it, that prevents you, are, you from getting a gun, right? You are infringing on someone's right. Mm-hmm. So John Stewart uses. The, the example of drag performers, of First Amendment rights, and others, and saying, well, you're more than happy to infringe on these rights, but not this right. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. I, I think, one, we, I, we have to kind of address a weird elephant in the room, which is Republican states have such a warped view <laughs> on sex, <laughs> period. Yeah. Where it's, 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 I mean, they, the reproductive rights of women being taken in most of these states, mm-hmm. all the way down to, um, you know, in, to include horrible things like in, in, in instances of rape and incest and mm-hmm. other things. And then to now this, where it's sexualizing drag performances mm-hmm. and saying, well, this is a sexual act or this is a sexual show that now children are sort of observing yeah and it's insane to me as if it's being forced on them in any which way shape or form right as if and then on top of that it's 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 this weird thing of where i mean as a heterosexual i for a long long time i have been blinded to how much heterosexual sexuality is crammed down the throat of all of us Mm -hmm. because it's like oh this is just normal and it wasn't until eventually, like, my perspective shifted, my mind expanded, made uh, friends of other sexualities and beyond. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, wow, yes, this is, like, everywhere. And no one's and no one talks about it, right? Yeah. You know, and now we're just at this weird place where, where in, in, in a lot of these rep- Republican states with Republican senators, they're passing these rules. And not to be too much of a downer, but then you have a Trump or a Ron DeSantis who ultimately their goal is the White House to nationalize a lot of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just a, a country that is running solely to fight culture wars is lost. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they don't I, have an identity. No, I, I, I was just listening to something that uh, they were covering um, CPAC, mm-hmm. CPAC that just happened yep. to where normally around this time, you know, on a pre-election year, CPAC is full of people like making their pitches for like the next election and things like that. And like identifying like the voice of the Republican Party and the Republican Party does not know who the fuck they are right now. No, America, in my opinion, has lost its cultural relevance mm-hmm. for like at least 20 years mm. because there's just nothing coming out of here that's interesting that's really pushing anything and again this i believe it's because there is this right wing uh, i don't want i hate saying agendas because mm-hmm. everything's an agenda mm-hmm. but this right wing sort of mentality i'll say mm. that quashes creativity that quashes intellectualism that quashes uh, uh, something like gender um, identity and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and performance strictly to sterilize mm-hmm. what exists. And it is a form of white supremacy. And I fucking hate that we're well, like on such I'm, a downer topic. No, no, yes. no, no, no. But I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you here and, and maybe bring it back up in that. Yes. Uh, politically. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree there. But in terms of creativity, I think this quashing 
that has happened has actually produced a lot of really good art, a lot of really good um, and, and entertainment and cultural kind of uh, relevance because of how much anti we are facing. You know, but that's, a lot of the okay. a lot of, you know, like black music, black movies that have sure. come out in the past 20 years, a lot of queer music, mm-hmm. queer movies, queer literature that has come out is this kind of like push against what is trying to be sterilized, mm-hmm. right? And saying, we will not be erased. Right. But that's what I'm saying is it's always being created in a response to it. It's not to say that it's not brilliant, mm-hmm. but it's always in response to an actual oppression that's happening and not thriving. Mm-hmm. Like if it was just creating to be thrived, to push envelopes to like have... Uh, 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 well, let's. The, the, I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. Sure. I don't think that was recreated in a response to something. I think it was created. No, it was. It was absolutely created in a tell response me, to. Tell me more. The, one, the Daniels, the guys who make those movies, yes. are out there. Have you ever seen a Swiss Army Man? I have it queued up. Okay. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. So they are. Their their mind state is always to create very like. Truly original ideas, which yes. I will concede that, yes, that is a truly original idea. Yes. But in many ways, like Michelle Yeoh just winning all these awards is highly political. Uh-huh. She's the first Asian like actress to be doing all this, yeah. even though she has a more storied, um, you can even say like, like, uh, uh, Plot or what, what am I thinking? That's uh, a ticket. No, it's a it's a it's a, a, a history, a CV, a yes. you know, like that is yes. tremendous. Going all the way, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, to further back. Uh huh. Her 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 resume is impeccable, and yet the majority of these actors in in this film, uh, Americans know nothing about. Yeah, James Hong. I just heard this. James yep. Hong, um, who is ninety four, mm-hmm. I believe. James Hong plays the the grandfather in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, he they just won the SAG Award for mm-hmm. Best Ensemble. He they he was predominant in the speech and it's like kind of going viral and whatnot because he talked about how like he's been doing this for fucking seventy years. Yeah. He's been an actor for seventy years. He has over a hundred credits. Yeah. Right? Nobody knows like mainstream America, white famous America doesn't mm-hmm. know who he is. And he talks about how like back in nineteen fifty something or other. They would cast white actors mm-hmm. to play Asian roles because the Asians weren't famous enough. Yeah. I don't, you know, like, uh, and he makes this comment as a commentary on how far we've come, mm-hmm. right? And how advanced, like, how this country has, I think, is going through like a a cultural reckoning and understanding of like who we are and yes. what makes this country what it is mm-hmm. and everything that is happening in these uh republican led states is is a defensive trigger because they feel like they're going to lose themselves mm-hmm. if they allow other people to just exist. Well, because if they become the minority, they know what happens to minorities. <laughs> yeah, like, all of this stems from from the patriarchy, sure, uh, and from white from white yeah. men thinking that they should be better than them yeah. than everybody else. Do you follow Alok? No. Okay. Do you know who Alok is? No. Okay, so Alok was first put on my radar because they were they they kind of maybe came through poetry. They've written poetry and things like that, but they are uh, a non-binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say public figure sure. at this point. Uh, who they live their best non-binary life. They are, uh, I believe, of Indian descent, and so they get a lot of pushback because they are male presenting. 
hairy chest, dark skin mm-hmm. with fabulous hair, a full face of makeup, you know, fashion, fashion right. to the house down boots, right? So they get a lot of pushback, but they always respond from a place of love because I think they understand that the hate that they are receiving has nothing to do with them personally. It sure. has to do with the person who is giving the hate and uh, them not, that person not having reconciled their own healthy selves. Like they have internal trauma that has not been resolved. I I don't even want to say it's internal trauma because in in a way, I think that makes it appear like they had some sort of incident or, or, or person who, who hurt them. There's there's insecurities that are happening. I think this is just white supremacy conditioning and culturing. Mm -hmm. Like when you, when, when you see these, these, Normally men, normally white men, senators take these these stances against these these whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's, um, you know, women's reproductive rights, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, LGBTQ rights. It's always this weird insecurity that's been passed down and and very mm-hmm. similarly to Florida erasing history books and trying to combat the root of 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 the narrative mm-hmm. that. A next, the next generation can actually take in, read, learn from. They're literally taking it out, and I think it's because, much like, like in the fifties and sixties, those pictures of teenagers, you know, abusing African Americans, students going to school, like those are grandparents now. They're still here. Yeah. And now, when you in the future, when we're looking at like our history books, we're at this very crucial point where I feel like the history is being written in real time because mm-hmm. of the internet. So there will be a counter narrative where kids will see like, no, Ted Cruz was a dick. This, this, <laughs> you know, this Greg Abbott was horrible. If you didn't know. Right. All these, all these, these political figures, the Tennessee, uh, uh, governor was, is horrible as well. Uh-huh. And that, the, that this is its, 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 its own type of bigotry. Yeah. But bigots don't believe they're bigots. Yeah. The same way that white individuals in the fifties, they 60s, believe they're fighting the good fight. Right. They felt that no segregation was important. Like I'm not a bigot. I don't, I don't hate anyone. It's like, yes, you do. Your actions are yeah. are, are oppressive and they yeah. don't, they never realize that. And they use, so this was something I saw on, on, this is the other thing that I love about Alok is that they are constantly posting not just their own, you know, like take mm-hmm. on things, but also his like historical accuracy, right? They have, they have yeah. citations mm-hmm. in their Instagram posts of how a lot of this idea, because they keep going back on this like biological sex idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman is only a woman if she can give birth, right? Right? If she can biologically give birth, and how a lot of these ideals that were that are now put in place that we quote as science were just opinions by scientists that were trying to keep the white man on top of everybody else. No, absolutely. It, and it was control. white men, then white women, mm-hmm. then people of color. And that kind of ideology then created, quote unquote, science because women. Science was all it was only designed to help white people for a long time. Yeah. This is why, you know, black women have a hard time with (laughs) reproductive, uh, Uh you know, care um, where a lot of, you know, pains or issues that they may face or or or. Uh, when they go see their doctors, get misdiagnosed, get non-diagnosed, mm-hmm. they get sort of put, brushed off until it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the story of Henrietta Lacks, 
Um, I don't know if you know that, but so I, I, I wish I knew the dates off the top of my head, but I want to say in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, they were doing studies and a lot of times they would take blood samples and more from African-American individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, they took this sample from, from this woman named Henrietta Lacks, who just because of the, the, her DNA and the way her, her, her physiology was, had her DNA, her, uh, uh, like blood samples and things mm-hmm. like that were used to like fund billions and billions of dollars of, of money, uh, of research, of of like life-saving medicines, mm-hmm. all types of things, right? And her family got no money. Mm. Like they got zero from it. Because it was from John Hopkins, I believe, in Baltimore. Okay. And so there was this book that was written about it and then has since gone on to gain some recognition. And now it's kind of, some has been rectified, mm-hmm. but not nearly enough. Not nearly. And so I, I guess that's what I mean. It's it's just it's always for the better. Whenever I I see this 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 idea presented, it, where we need to return to some sort of form of America <sighs> that never existed. No. Um, it's, it, it's Pleasantville. It is. It's, it's a, Pleasantville. It's a, it's a, a fucking movie, and it's ple- it is in where like people have been in this bubble, uh, where they think they live in this perfect utopian society. When really, like the the case is that like we live in a fucked up world sometimes, and also there are a multitude of people here, and mm-hmm. people are just trying to live. Ain't nobody coming for your kids except white men with guns. That's it. White men with guns are coming for your kids, mm-hmm. so that's the problem we need to be fixing. Yeah. Okay. Take a shot to that. Science. Uh, I felt like doing that. Salute. Salute. There's always that that horror. I think it's a horrible plan, but it is a plan, which is the city centers that we live in. We just got to move out into rural America. <laughs> we got <Yeah>. to <laughs> we got to take over. No, no. And here's the thing: like I've been out to rural America. Sure. You know, like I try. I, I most of the colleges that I perform at are in rural America. Sure. Uh, they're in America. Yeah. And I'm often pleasantly surprised. Yeah, with, there's good people w- with what happens when this you know little brown queerling from South Texas goes to you know upstate Iowa. It, like, welcome with open arms. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so that's where I feel like the uh, the politics of today do not accurately represent the ideology of the people living in this country. I completely agree. I, I just said that after four tequila shots. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Next on the list. Shall we move on? Uh, I No, no sad stories. Uh, I want to talk about this. Okay. Um, because as we talk about like things evolving and moving forward and we talked about music because of the Grammys a few weeks ago. Okay. The Mars Volta. Yeah. You are familiar. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. in, in my high school, college eras, sure. I've seen them probably like five or six times yeah. live most of the time on hallucinogens. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> and they just dropped a new album. Okay. To be fair, their, their last album and maybe the one before it too, I wasn't quite fucking with it. Right. You know, and I listened to this new album and it's Mars Volta-esque 
but it feels Mars Volta. I don't. It feels like to me, it feels like they've lost something that made the Mars Volta the Mars Volta in you know their first album, uh, in their second album. Like the first three albums were just like something out there, yeah. sound I'd never heard before. Right. And seeing them live was this. It felt like an improv session that was just constantly like they were connected. And now what they're releasing feels so scripted, and so. As much as I love their earlier albums, I'm not here for their later albums. And the s- same thing can be said for, I hate to say this out loud, Against Me. Uh, Are you familiar yeah, with Against yeah, Me? Okay. Yeah. Their, f- like, first three, four albums, like, sure. were just fucking revolutionary and, like, hit. And the the writing, both lyrically and musically, and these last few albums, like, Laura Jean Grace, like, I love you uh, for everything, uh, but... You're yeah, welcome on the pod. You're welcome on the pod. I want to talk with you. Um, and so I guess my question is, can bands evolve their sound and still retain their original fan base, you know, because when you look at bands like, say, Aerosmith, mm. uh, that have had decades long success, you two, uh, um, there's something about the music that they release while still being new, still feels um, connected to what originally made them mm-hmm. got them where they the the where they are, like it. And I don't okay. Can AFI is another great example. I'm a punk rock. Like I grew up on punk rock emo, and like these punk rock emo bands that well, they can't be emo forever. Just like Metallica can't, you know, hate everything. Sure, but Ozzy Osbourne is another great example. Have you heard new Ozzy that's been like in the last five years? The newest album just won a couple of Grammys and is fucking amazing. I gotta listen to that. Yes, this is is Ozzy. Oh, see, Ozzy's a great example because is Ozzy. The mastermind of the music, or is Ozzy Ozzy? <laughs> well, no, because here's my thing. Check it, it out. Elaborate. So let's let's look at it like this. Look, let's take an art. I, I have a great example. Outcast was is forever one of my favorite artists of all time. I always want a new Outcast album, uh-huh. but, but at the same time, when I really think about it, I never want a new Outcast album. I love the way they left uh-huh. because I remember when they dropped. The Love Below and Speaker Box, uh-huh. and I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I loved Speaker Box. I was like, oh my God, Big Boy's really doing something I like here. But I was like, why is Andre singing? What is Hey Ya? What is this? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. What is Prototype? Like, I didn't understand. I was uh-huh. like, where are my panties? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where are my panties? Where are my panties? That was the best skit ever. It really was. It really was. Vampire or uh, Dracula's Wedding. He had songs <laughs> with Nora Jones. Uh-huh. And it just seems like they're vamping in a studio. And, and I remember just like I got so offended. I was like, I can't even listen to this. And I talked to my homie. I was like, bro, I can't listen to this. This is fucked up. Andre abandoned us. Why would he not just give us like mm-hmm. all the rapping that we wanted? Mm-hmm. Right. And to this point, I had to, I had to come to grips with artists have to change. Yeah. And Outcast is like a progressive rock band, uh-huh. similar to like Rush. Okay. As opposed to like like the Mars Volta. Exactly like the Mars Volta or uh-huh. Radiohead or a lot of other these 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 groups, mm-hmm. unlike someone like Rolling Stones or U2 or these bands that, or even like uh, Coldplay, uh-huh. like they're not really put outside of that box of of rock and roll uh-huh. to where you're always going to hear something new, but it's also very familiar in the vibe, right? And so like, well, I, I don't know how big of a Mob Deep fan you are. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Mob Deep records are always the same. They're always Mob Deep records, and I love them. But after a while, you're like, ah, this new record sounds like the one from two years ago uh-huh. or five years ago. <laughs> it's all good. I still, I still love you. But... But that's kind of my point. And we as audience members, we have our own sort of expectations for these things. Yeah. And that complicates it too. Very much so. I mean, I, I, I'm going back to my like my high school yeah. days whenever like punk rock bands would then like become mainstream. Like there was a huge backlash yeah. being like, no, how dare you sell out? And I'm like, is it selling out? You know, because I agree with I, we're both artists as mm-hmm. well. Like, I'm not going to write the Rich Gay 14 times, right? right? We're, you're not going to write Sewell Park, you know, Night, 14 no. different ways, right? Like, I understand that artists need to evolve. And that's where my question is not, not should they evolve mm-hmm. their sound, but can they evolve and still retain their original fan base? I hear you, but this is now kind of coming back full circle. Are you just not ready to hear this version of the Mars Volta? No, because I... The way I wasn't ready to hear Outkast with the love below. Okay. Until, until like, later, I started listening to it again and again and again. I was like, this is brilliant. It's, and I see it. I see the brilliance. It's not that I'm not ready. It's that I've listened to it, and it's not as good. Mm. So, I guess oh, a similar band that I, I could... I said it. I'm sorry, Omar. No. I'm sorry. And you're welcome on the pod anytime, Omar. <laughs> um, I, it's so, so, I guess a similar band that I would feel... Like, I've had a similar relationship to would be The Strokes. Okay. I love The Strokes. Okay. I love just that New York late post 9-11 rock and roll uh-huh. sound. Like jukebox. Yeah, like that jukebox yeah. rock and roll. Julian Casablanca is just going to like moan and wail over some shit. And I'm yeah. there for it. I'm here for it. Too. But then uh, Under the Cover of Darkness, I believe, was the album. It was like their fourth or fifth album comes out. And it's totally different, and it's upbeat, and then it has like synth, like it's it was more mm. synth heavy, and like all these other different ideas. And then their next album sounds like the last one. Well, I feel like the Killers kind of went through that same similar transition, right? right? Where it's like, wait, what? But who are you sonically? Yeah, and it's like, and 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 retaining your original fan base is complicated because, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot is. The, the record industry is going to put all their money behind you to get in front of as many ears or eyes mm-hmm. as possible, right? So is it your responsibility to keep, like, the Marvel movies? Is it their responsibility to keep always giving you Captain America, Iron Man for mm-hmm. 50 years until Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr. is, like, in an iron wheelchair or, yeah. like, you know, old with a cane or something? Like, no. Like, it's you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to let a Shang-Chi come in. You have to let the Eternals <laughs> come in. You have to let something new come in. Well, and I think and that... we bristle against it, but it's okay. And I think that's where, you know, I remember... Um, Reading somewhere that uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, who's the guitarist for the Mars Volta uh, and was the guitarist for the drive at at Mm -hmm. the drive in at the drive in came before the Mars Volta uh, at the drive in essentially disbanded because Omar Rodriguez Lopez said, I've I've taken this band. He outgrew his bandmate. Yeah. Because they didn't want to really do what he was on. And and that was the thing where it's mm-hmm. like I've taken this band, this this group of people, this sound that we're creating. Right. I've done all that I can with it. And now I want to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go form something else. And that's where the there for me, the Mars Volta, there is a clear divide between this is the Mars Volta and this is Mars Volta 2.0 mm-hmm. to where it almost feels like it should have been a different band. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it should have been a new incarnation. It's kind of like if let's go back to Ozzy Osbourne. This is Black Sabbath and this is Ozzy Osbourne. You know, there's a difference between the solo performance and the band that happened. 
Yes. And going back to Ozzy, I think Ozzy has never really made, in my opinion, a bad album. No. But it goes to the point because Ozzy isn't the one with the sounds and everything. Like, he's not the one playing the guitar. No. Ozzy doesn't play an instrument. That Ozzy, Ozzy, does, <laughs> Ozzy does not know how to work the production equipment. No, he knows how to put on a bomb-ass live show. He knows how to show up on time uh-huh. and yell that he's a prince of darkness and <laughs> do that. And and I love him. For and that. has a ridiculous range. Right. <laughs> Whereas with the Mars Volta, they're genuinely trying to, to push the envelope of musicianship, mm-hmm. of songwriting, mm-hmm. of idea. And and that's why I don't feel this album did that. You I know? mean, you got to fail sometimes. And I, I don't feel the last few albums. It didn't feel like those first three albums i think it, let me let me not well let me ask you. you this question let me kind of like interrupt for two seconds do those first albums also mean so much to you because of the nostalgia attached to it no no you're absolutely not at all okay not at all they they mean so much to me because musically delau's in the contorium francis the mutant the bedlam and the goliath even amputecture for to to a certain extent were sonically revolutionary something i'd never heard before you, mm, and how many people under the age of 33 care about the mars volta that's uh who do you who is a bigger band the mars volta or the killers probably the killers uh but the, stroke, it's, the but, strokes but, of the mars volta but it's 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 a mainstream kind of but that's my point though is i feel like you're playing almost more like mainstream sensibilities mm-hmm. on a band that is literally like out there because that was that's the problem with rush fans rush fans eventually get to a point where they're like nah subdivisions is awesome uh-huh. and it's like yeah it is, is or co- pink floyd you don't know? come for coheed and cambria no i, I, I do <laughs> <laughs> but like you have to let them you got one they have to try it and yeah. then you have to sort of maybe come back later and be like okay i see something that you were doing was it and then it's successfulness or, or, or unsuccessfulness mm-hmm. about it depends on what on what they actually produce but sometimes i feel like it's like the wu-tang clan anytime the wu-tang clan drops an album Mm -hmm. i'm listening to it front and back Mm -hmm. all the way through i'm probably gonna hate it because they haven't really made (laughs) the album that i've wanted for the Uh for so so long but their first two albums i also have a huge sonic nostalgic Uh this is brilliant attachment and a huge problem with, with Wu-Tang, for instance, is everyone ripped them off. Kanye ripped them sure. off. A lot of people. So now it's like, and they're doing it. They elevated it. So it's hard for the original artists to elevate what they created, created. and then, you know, be better than the next, next generations. Of uh-huh. So maybe that's just where they're at. I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is people should listen to this album and then email us and tell us what they think. <laughs> listen to the new Mars Volta. I don't even know what it's called. Like, I, 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 I listen to it. Uh, it's not even showing up here. Red Hot Chili Peppers is another band that kind of suffers from this. Uh, but nah, dude. No, they do. They have some some albums that I I I live for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so I will listen to a lot of their stuff. But there's a couple of songs where you're like, eh. eh. After like Stadium Arcadium, a lot of it kind of uh, just starts to sound the same. But then you have bands like um, Bad Religion. Who okay. yeah, every bad religion album sounds the same. It's great, sure, but sure. like, you and I don't think I don't think you need to stay like it shouldn't stay the same. Like if you listen to these first, you know, like four Mars Volta albums, they don't sound the same. Sure. The Laos is very different from Amputecture, right? But there's still something in, in unique, ingenious, like uh, captivating that just like 
This last album just sounded just, I don't know, like background noise. Oh, don't I, come for me. I just want to thank the, the, the two people who are probably still listening to this podcast <laughs> right now. This deep into the Mars Volta. Yeah, it's 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 a deep conversation. But also I, I do kind of stand on that a little bit. I mean, there was in that era of the Mars Volta, there was a lot of amazing acts that came out. And while sonically the Mars Volta were awesome, you had a lot of hipsters finding Radiohead for the first time. Like Oh, that reminds me of what I was gonna talk what, what I was gonna saying? say. First of all, somebody somebody came for the Mars Volta when I was in college and was like, mm-hmm. they sound like like a garage band, like a you know a band that's playing out of the garage and it's just noise. And I was like, you clearly have no idea mm-hmm. what is happening here. Uh, but the other one was Portishead. Oh yeah, what about him? Portishead. So this was another one that I had like deep visceral feelings about. Whereas like Portishead self album, I'm not a Portishead. Fan. You're not a Portishead fan. I I I like. Well, listen, I love trip hop. I've more of a massive attack and other bands. Okay. But Portishead, but also okay. like I have like funny stories about Portishead. Like I've never been at a party where Portishead was on and had a good time. <laughs> Everyone was sad. Everyone was drinking heavily to escape whatever yeah. deep emotional pain they were going through. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Have and you to listened someplace. to the Roseland album? Yeah. Oh yeah, the live one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You you gave me the DVD or let me. Oh, I did, yeah, I did, I did. Yeah. The, here's the thing. The, oh, so again, with like bands transitioning, right? Yeah. Dummy in 1994, self-titled in 1997, and then it was more than a decade later that they released their third album, and I hated it. Right. And Tom York praised the fuck out of it. Sure, and, and he's I, a genius. He is, and I can see, like, the genius of it, but, like, god damn, I hate it. And I will 100% attribute that to, like, me just wanting more of the head. same. I wanted yeah. Portis Head, and now yeah. you're giving me something that was not sure. what I've, like, been listening to for the past 10 years. Yeah. So uh, can bands evolve their sound and still retain their original fan base? Doesn't matter. Well, I was thinking about this with myself a little bit recently. I uh-huh. was like, "Do you have your original fan base?" <laughs> yes, but the funny thing is, is because I was having a conversation with someone about who my audience is, Be- mm. not in terms of like who enjoys my work, but who I write to. Because, like, uh-huh. do you think about an audience when you write? Okay, never. Uh, which is a whole nother conversation. Okay. but I understand. Yes, I've yeah, I've read a lot about it. I've had a lot of whatever mentors be like, you need to have an audience in mind, someone there. So for me, my audience has always been my drunk ass uncle from the West side. And so it's like, if he, who I love. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone loves him. (laughs) He's great. But like, if if he thinks that what I wrote was cool, I'm like, cool. Like that's kind of has been my, my, my audience for a long, long time. Uh But now I'm starting to kind of step out of that. And it's created this new issue of like, okay, if I start really doing more, I, don't, I'm, I hate saying avant-garde, but different from what I was doing. Sure. Um, it Does that harm me? Does it put me in different categories? Am I now opening myself up to, up to audiences that maybe I don't even give a shit about? Uh-huh. And that's its own thing. And maybe the Mars Volta were just like, hey, we, you know what? Maybe the Mars Volta needed to get out of contract. So yeah. they were like, we're going to just do this album <laughs> and please catch our next one, Chibi. You are our audience. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally hear you. And like uh, similarly, you know, like I think I told you a year ago, I don't know how long it was ago, where like I'm no longer writing for Slam, right? Mm-hmm. I'm either writing 45 second pieces or eight minute pieces. Right. There's nothing in between. Right. Uh, and so. I get it that like artists artists evolve and as we evolve like I don't 
I don't think we need to retain our original audience. Like, if you love Chibi from 2013, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Go go consume it, right? And if you're not digging what Chibi in 2023 is doing, well, then that's fine. You know, yeah. like, go get whatever floats Find your boat. the poet that you do love. I'm still going to listen to the first four Mars Volta albums oh, on the regular, mm-hmm. right? I just, I was not here for uh, the most recent one. The new new. The Nunu. So, um, Mars Volta, I love you. You're welcome on the pod. Anytime uh, we stand, uh, Texas musicians. And or, and let's throw it to the audience. Audience, if you have a band that you used to love that has since changed drastically, for some reason in your heart and mind, yeah. uh, email us at after2tequilashots at gmail.com. <laughs> That's the number two, after the yes. number two, tequilashots at gmail.com. Coheed and Cambria. We're not going to talk about Coheed and Cambria today because we're going to have a fantastic time talking about Coheed and Cambria in about a month. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to their concert. Uh, but uh, let's move on to our next segment where we talk about stuff that we saw on social media. How much for a gram? Okay, uh, you brought this to my attention, and I didn't actually read beyond the headline, so I would love for you to give some context on this. <laughs> reporter. There was this a reporter. Dallas reporter who called the mayor bruh in a tweet, and she was subsequently fired. In a tweet? It. In a tweet. From, like, her personal Twitter? Yes. From, like, from the official news Twitter? No, from her own. But that's kind of that. I guess this is why I found it interesting mm. is because this is that weird space, especially with reporters. Shout out to Jose Arredondo. I don't know if he listens to the pod. <laughs> but we know a reporter who, for instance, everything he tweets is sort of in that vein of this is news. News. I'm right. reporting, even though it's my own personal right thing. So he has to kind of stay in that lane. Similar to like teachers, that's why a lot of them mm. have to be on private with their social media because they can't be out turned up at the club or else a parent may see it and then they may get fired. Because teachers can't be real human beings. Right. Apparently. And that's us. what sort of transpired. The mayor of Dallas was saying something about the fake news is after him. They're not reporting this story well. And all the, the reporter said was, bruh, like, and then gave the receipts. And because of that lack of decorum, uh, the the news station fired her. Wow. And probably because the people in the mentions and haters really on in the Internet. So there's a lot of things going on here. One, should a person's social media, personal social media, have carried this much weight on their job. That's one. And then two, um, should companies really be listening to the internet being mad about something? (laughs) Well, one has been going on for a long time. You know, like I remember having this conversation, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago about how like, uh, uh, Companies were looking at people's Facebook, looking at people's Instagram before deciding whether or not to hire them, Mm -hmm. right? So that conversation has been going on for a while. And I think to a certain extent, your social media, right, is an extension of you. And so if you're trying to figure out, like, if a person is a right fit for the company, right, you want to know who this person is. Right, I well, don't. You're not nest- a brand ambassador, or are you a brand ambassador? Because Kanye got fired legitimately because he was a brand ambassador. <laughs> sure, for the things he said. Sure, 
But if I, I'm just I mean, if I'm just working like the mail room or like mm-hmm. at the call center for mm-hmm. Marriott and I'm tweeting like what Kanye tweets, should that get me fired? No. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it was pretty anti-Semitic. <laughs> I'm saying it maybe should have. Or at least, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, the, it's because, again, it's like it's who you are, right? Your social media is an extension of you. You're the one that's putting it out there. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it's an accurate depiction of who you are, what you believe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, this, like, lack of decorum... Uh, specifically, I want to talk about this where the yeah. uh, the reporter was just like, "Bruh, receipts." Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just you need to call a hoe out, you know? <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> you no, like now we've segued into sometimes you need to call a hoe out. You need to call a hoe out because sometimes bitches be acting out. Yeah, talk about it. Bro. And so, like, not and when I say a hoe and bitches, I'm not talking about the reporter. I'm talking about the mayor. Yeah. You know? Talking uh, about Ted Cruz. Yeah, where you just got to be frank. You just got to be frank. You just got to say it how it is. And, like, there's no other way to say it but to be like, bitch, hello. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, it's because conventional ways of communicating with politicians have not been working. So should she have been fired? No, I don't think so. Does social media influence how you are perceived at work absolutely um should it i mean i can only speak for myself i remember when i had like a regular day-to-day job and a few people i worked with followed me on social media Mm -hmm. so they would see me post events post pictures from events post pictures of me on stages and they were very like oh my god like this is so cool and blah blah and i remember i had a manager when i worked in insurance who one, she hated me. Uh, like, we were not cool. Uh, did I tell you about how I got fired for Googling kittens? No. Okay, well, we'll get, well that's another That's comment. another story. Anyway, um, so she was not a fan of me at all. But then, like, she, you know, would hear the buzz or hear people talk. Oh, yeah, no, Rooster does this, blah, 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 blah. And is, well, I want to see. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And it turns into this weird thing where it, then, like, I kind of felt, even in this small little quadrant of you know, insurance policy, mm-hmm. you know, fixing, uh, that, uh, uh, there were people who were talking about this and now acting different. Mm. Why? I don't know. Just where's the next event or where's this at? And there's that. And then it's like, I did have that same manager be like, that's kind of disruptive. And I'm like, why? Because they know it's building office camaraderie. Yeah. I'm like, what we like? I'm not, I, I didn't bring this to work. It's just what I do when I'm not at work. Yeah. And so, Similar to teachers who go out, post photos, hey, it's my birthday, I'm lit, hit shots, here's the, you know, uh, Ace of Spades bottle with the firework <laughs> in it. Look, I'm, I'm hoping that my teachers, when I was in elementary, middle, and high school, are turning up as much as my teacher friends, now that I'm an adult, are oh, turning listen. up. <laughs> teachers be wild in. Shout out to teachers. We love you. Yeah. We know how much you really You are party. you. Yeah, we really know how much y'all party, and we like it. We're with it. I'm here for it. No, and I ha- I like similarly these days. I'm having the same concern because, like, at at my job, I work for a nonprofit, and kind of, sort of, uh, inadvertently, I've become the face mm-hmm. the, uh, of said nonprofit because I manage the community. Right. So everybody sees me making announcements. Everybody sees me managing, like, so. 
I've kind of become the fa- the unofficial face of this nonprofit. And I'm like, but do they n- know my writing? Do they, you know? Right. And is that going to get me in trouble? Uh, do they listen to this podcast? Actually, I think my boss does listen to this podcast. Hey, shout out to boss. <laughs> shout out to Gary. <laughs> okay, there. These next thoughts that are expressed are not from this podcast, nor Chibi. Uh-huh. Gary, you need to pay Chibi way more money. <laughs> Was tired of this shit, Gary. <laughs> Knock it off, Gary. <laughs> no, we love Gary. We stand Gary, actually. Okay, cool. I, I have a great job. I love the organization that I work with, and I love the people that I work with, and that is not like this completely yeah. unbiased. But it does worry me because we have, you know, a community of uh, more than 20,000 people on our Slack, more than 40,000 people on our listserv, and it's like something I say. Don't get me in trouble at work. I don't know. But sure. the if 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 on this podcast you keep saying like by episode a hundred <laughs> capitalism needs to burn and we're tired of all this <laughs> and I don't know some donor it, gets upset because uh-huh. they hear it is PayPal going to come for me because I'm right. anti capitalist right I don't know I just want people to live happy lives mm-hmm. and capitalism seems to be ruining that for a lot of people. But, uh, so should this Dallas reporter have been fired for saying bruh? Definitely not. But I think internet outrage, and I think that's, for mm. me, I think that's the second part of this. Internet outrage is, has gotten to this place that I just think is interesting because I think there's comedians. I think there's, <laughs> for lack of a better word, like professional podcasters. Like we do this for the fun skis <laughs> and we take it very seriously. Look, I'm going to a podcasting a seminar at AWP, okay? That's right, and we're five <laughs> shots in. That's the first question you need to ask at that seminar. Is like, how much alcohol is too much alcohol <laughs> on your podcast? Because we take like five shots. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Look, we're not NPR. We're not NPR at all. Yeah, we're far from that. But I think that's also part of what we're saying is this idea that like when the internet gets upset, or because it, it can go a lot of different ways. You can have the woke side of the internet get up in arms over a clip, over a mm-hmm. misquote, over whatever, and cause damage to a person's reputation. Uh, but then on the other side of it, too, you have right-wing nuts out there being upset and getting the torches and starting capital riots over something that they think is a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I don't feel that there should be always a platform for the internet in our day-to-day life <laughs> like that. Like, that's just me. Like, I love the internet. I'm on the internet often. But I'm the internet has ruined friends. society. <sighs> Low-key. High-key? <laughs> Mid-key. Mid-key. Low-key. High-key, you're kind of the fucking problem. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 there it is. You just, like, I think that's the tequila. You just like to hit... I hit a button. You hit I, buttons when the tequila hits. I hit a button because, yeah, I think the internet is a problem, uh, but it is also unveiled. You know what? And that's the thing. It's like the internet has allowed people to peel back mm-hmm. their onion layers of protectiveness and just be like, here's who I am at my core. You think so? I think so. I, th- I think people unveil their true selves huh. when they can hide behind a keyboard. 
See, I actually think the opposite. I think. Well, well no, there's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's two points here. You okay, know, like yeah, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. the internet because of filters and, and yada, because yada, of yada, anonymity, yada. they can be like, I can be my wor- most horrible. self. I can be my most horrible true self, right? right without having any re- repercussions. Right. While also, there's the other side of the internet that is like, I am presenting this super this polished, curated, curated yeah. version of myself. Right. Yes, which is what I love about this podcast is like there is no filters. No. There, we didn't say this at the beginning it is unfiltered uncensored unpredictable but always <laughs> always distilled uh well and like i guess we can say that like that's something that we've you and i've had conversations of mike about is how like yeah this is some of our most forward-facing media because like i know i've dealt with that where people hear my work or see me perform and then afterwards it's this or they follow me on social media and they think they know me mm-hmm. and i'm and i'm just like no Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I are, are very close to your friends and, and I feel like, yeah, like you're someone who actually genuinely knows me. And I think when we get, when we let the internet define us and more to the point when we let strangers define us, mm. even if it's in good ways, when it's like adoration, it's complicated because you have to worry like, am I doing this in a healthy way or am mm-hmm. I doing this so that I just now feel like good about myself and then it gets complicated where it's like am i doing this because i don't want to let people down or am i doing this because like i actually want to do this because like you know what's all right you know what's a funny thing you remember minivan culture like back in like i don't know like 10th grade 11th grade where it was like soccer moms culture was Uh a thing right uh and it was just like you had uh uh this whole sort of like nexus of 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 soccer mom culture minivan culture they were out there and and like they wore the same clothes they had the same thing i feel like now you have internet culture where it's like crystals and like it's not eat pray love <laughs> but it's like it's own, it's it's its own thing and like i heal because of the internet or i saw this one thing that really changed my life and it's like but did it or did you do the work or did you get the therapy you needed uh, or are you just following Crystals, gurus, and crystals. Uh huh. So I'm here for therapy. I am too. Anyway, my thing is about to die. So y'all about to end. Uh, Oh no! So we got to go to look over there. Look over there. It's the segment where we talk about what's coming up in the future that we're looking forward to. Okay, all right. This week, we're going to Seattle, Chibi. We're going to Seattle. Let's talk about it. For those of you that somehow have stumbled onto this podcast and do not know that Rooster and I are writers, we're writers, and we're going to the largest writing conference in the nation. It's called AWP, which stands for the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. It is happening in Seattle this week. It is four days of 4,000 panels and discussions and readings, and I have not mastered the art of separating myself into more. I want to be everywhere where everything everywhere all at once and mm-hmm. I'm I don't know how I'm going to do it. Uh talk to me about your AWP plan. I'm you know me when I go places. I usually stay in the hotel. <laughs> I'm probably going to stay in the hotel. However, I'm going to make a more of a, a an effort to go out and actually uh be a part of some of the the events and say hello to the people. And so if you're at AWP and you see me say hello. Yeah, okay. It uh I'm going to I I recently posted this on Twitter. Oh, I saw it. I, I, I don't know what to do. Okay. So this is my third AWP. Mm-hmm. You went to the one in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Did you go to one before that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been to, this is my fourth. Okay. Yeah. Cause I went to one in DC. I went to the one here 
And then I went to another one. I don't remember where. Mm-hmm. What I'm loving about AWP is that it's becoming kind of like what Nationals and Southern Fried kind oh, of was, absolutely. where it's like, oh, it's a little mini family reunion. Mm-hmm. I get to see people that I only see like once a year. I get to hang out, maybe see them read, go support them. They get to come see me read, maybe not so much. Um, like it's becoming this thing where it's like it's more about like reconnecting with the people that are going to be there than – yeah. I don't know. For me, it's always been the offsite reads and the book fair, even though my schedule is completely like booked with like what's actually happening at the conference. Right. It's a great conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to it. What are you wanting to go to? I want to read. I'm not in any, but like, it's fine. Like, I, I kind of found out, you know, last minute that I was going to be even able to go. So the fact that I'm going, I'm just like, I just want to read in Seattle because when am I going to go back to, unless, hey, if you're in Seattle and you happen to listen to this pod, like book me and Chibi. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go and read. We'll go. Yeah. As as miserable as your weather is because <laughs> it's going to be miserable. But as wonderful as the people are. <laughs> yes. I'm here for the people. Uh, and the fish. We're going to have some good fish. I don't eat fish. You don't eat fish? No. Wait. I don't eat seafood. How am I just finding this out? Because we've never ha- come up against this. You've before. never, you don't eat seafood? I like, mean, like sometimes sushi, yes. Like period. Period. Because to me, fish is so nasty. What? Yeah. Seafood's nasty. It's a lot of it's the bugs of the ocean. We yeah. just had this conversation about crawfish. Yeah. Uh, you don't do crawfish. Not really. We just did a crawfish boil yesterday. Yeah. It was amazing. It's like there was that one, I don't remember who said it, but it's like if your food like shrimp requires you, you actually have to take the nasty vein out of Uh it, then that's not good food. Or you just eat the vein. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go ahead, man. Look. uh, You can get mercury poisoning through all. uh, My my husband has a theory. Uh, People that don't eat crawfish also don't eat ass. Oh, fair. I mean, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'll unpeel an ass. To be clear. Yeah. Like. Let the world know. So you're fine with ass, but you're yeah. not fine with the the, the murky ass. vein. Well, it's not just that, but it's also like like crawfish, catfish, a lot of the food that, that we uh, – um, farm-raised food is like disgusting when you learn this, the history of it. Uh-huh. It's nasty. And yeah. I'm so are just, you going vegan? No. like I, I mean like <laughs> pork and chicken. I, I honestly just love chicken. Okay. I ate a lot of chicken. I'm down for some chicken. Beef is great, mm. but like, yeah, I do. And then like they, you do have the horrible – uh, processes for mm-hmm. the, the food industry all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, I think that nah, seafood is just, I can't, I can't. And then it's like, I also hate the fish taste. Oh. And then people are like, oh, but when you put lemon on it or you put rosemary on it or you put this on it, it's like, I, then I should eat that and not something that tastes nasty until you add that. Uh huh. Because you can just cook a steak. You can. This is true. I can eat unseasoned chicken and still enjoy it, but seasoned chicken is amazing. Okay. But I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Fish is just. But fish. Wow. It's like halibut. So so oysters are not a thing. No. So my seafood intake is literally fried clams are really good. Okay. Some sushi. I think my big problem with sushi is that there's way too much avocado in sushi these days <laughs> and i'm just like why that's definitely wasn't a japanese thing no but they put it in all sushi now um and i think that's about it okay yeah, like no shrimp wow no crawfish no eel i'm learning a lot about my best friend right now y'all i'm sorry you'll see you know uh the other thing i want to talk about that i'm looking forward to yes. at the very least is the, at the end of this week is going to be the oscars yeah um so uh 
Oscars, like we talked about the Grammys a couple of weeks ago. Now it's the Oscars. Like we've talked about how like I'm really big on like award season and not necessarily because I care about this, these awards, but like what these awards do for these people mm-hmm. and all that jazz. So like y- you're a movie buff. I'm I love movies. I don't know if I'd call myself a movie buff, but um, I would. how are you feeling about the Oscars, the Oscar nominations, Oscar predictions? <laughs> Do we have to have the the tar conversation? We do have to have the tar conversation. Should we say, we'll save that for the next pod. Because uh, then that'll be after the Oscars, right? W- well, what is the tar conversation? The, that I think it's not good. Oh! And you really enjoy it. I'm sorry. I just, I got to say, it's on my heart. It's on my heart. It's on my heart. <laughs> okay. But, but uh, I mean, I hope everything, everywhere, all at once wins everything. Because yeah. it's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it yet. Uh, we also need to have the whale conversation. Okay. Let's have you seen the whale? Have no. Seen, okay. It's on, it's on my list. You've um, seen Elvis, right? Yes. Did you thumbs up, thumbs down? I had to see it in two parts. I fell asleep. Okay. So um, thumbs down. Uh, not thumbs down per thumbs se. Middle. Per se. Uh, it was, it's hard for me to watch a Tom Hanks movie and not just see Tom Hanks. Always. So that kind of. How do you feel about Austin Butler as a thing? I have never heard of Austin Butler really? before okay. uh, this movie, and I th- I sure. I don't have a reference for. Okay. It's kind of like the difference between watching Being the Ricardos. Mm-hmm. I have a very strong reference for Lucy and Ricky Ricardo, yes. right? Uh, versus, I don't have a strong reference for Elvis. Fair. Uh, so I just kind of accepted it. Got it. You know. Okay, so Banshees of Inisherin is on HBO Max. We have Inisherin. Inisherin. Have you seen it? No. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Is it good? so good. I love Colin Farrell and the other dude. Uh-huh. And they're in uh, in Bruges, which is another film with it. Which together. is another Mark McDonough movie. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Mark McDonough eats. Like that, Irish that, that, that's on we. Yes. Excellent. You know, there's nothing, there's no such thing as a happy ending in an <laughs> Irish uh, script no. ever. Mark McDonough is brilliant. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, that's the other individual. Yeah. Okay, so actor in a leading role. Hey, Brian Tyree Henry is is uh, nominated. I love that's Paperboy. I I don't Paperboy from uh, Atlanta. He's he's in a lot. Of, he was um in Eternals. He was uh the engineer who also was married with. The okay. Husband. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. 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 I haven't seen this movie. All right. So Oscar predictions, real quick. Actor in a leading role. Uh I'm gonna say you know what. After seeing, I'm gonna think. I think Colin Farrell is gonna take it. Okay. He's gonna be it. I think Brendan Fraser. There's a lot of heat on him because of the whale um, and the feedback on that. We need to watch that and actually kind of dissect that. But there's a lot of heat on that film and his performance. They say it's his best performance. I stand uh-huh. Brendan Fraser. Um, but I think Colin Farrell is going to actually uh, pull it out. I'm going to go for Brendan Fraser. Okay. Despite the heat. Uh, even though I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, supporting role? Actor in a supporting role. Ooh, Barry Keegan is pretty good. Um, you know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Brennan Gleason on that one. I think Banshees of Inisherin. Inisherin. Ed Sheeran. Inisherin. Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I think they're gonna take it. I think they're gonna. I think that. I think they're gonna be the un, the upset. But you haven't seen it. But I've seen that dude's work before, and I I yeah. If it's, if it's like anything like in Bruges, but like better, like it's, yeah, that's It's stupid. hysterical because of how dark it is. I'm with it. But that's where I feel like it's Brendan Gleeson doing Brendan Gleeson. Everything Brendan Gleeson does is Brendan <laughs> Gleeson. But I love uh, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, having only seen three out of these five, I'm going to go with. He one? 
Barry Keegan. Oh, snap. Okay. okay. Actress in the leading role. Here we go. <sighs> Not Anna the Adamas. This I don't is think the one. I don't think blood. No, she did a great job. Yes, but I don't think it's I think I'm giving it to my my my, my queen Michelle Yo. Come on the pod, Michelle. I want to give it to Michelle Yo. I think she deserves it. If Kate Blanchett walks away with it. I'm so Kate Blanchett was genius in that role. Ooh, the face you're making. Is she or is she Kate Blanchett in a role where they're like, we need more Kate Blanchett? No, not at all. Have you ever seen Kate Blanchett yes. like in an interview? I've seen her in a lot of things. She's I, a and I love Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, I'm here for her always. But Tar was just not it for me. I was oh. like, I was like, this is the driest milk toast I've ever had. In the, my life. No, it was brilliantly and completely captivating. All right, we're gonna have to talk. I was the next captivated one. by Tar, uh, but I want to give it to Michelle Yeoh also, actress in a supporting role. This is rough. I think uh, Jamie Lee, Stephanie Sue. Uh, from everything, every the I daughter. I think it's going to be Angela Bassett. Yeah, it I, was but there. I probably think Angela is going to win it because I think when I see the other actresses in this, it's going to be split, and I could totally see Angela walking away with it. We're deservedly, like kill, like Black Panther: Wakanda Forever should have been the Angela Bassett movie. Oh That's yeah, there should have been more. She yes. was killing it. That was that was the performance of a lifetime, and like really brought like so. Uh, so we uh, I was hearing this conversation about how like. Box office versus heart, mm-hmm. right? And like what is, isn't, uh, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett brought the heart oh, yeah. to what is a, you know, like a multi-million dollar, you know, Marvel spectacle, like really right. like brought it home. Um, so I completely agree. Um, we don't care about no, that. No, no, Directing. Directing. Gotta give it to the Daniels. Always. I think so too. I have I have seen I haven't I'm, seen the Fablemans. How do you feel about Steven Spielberg in 2023? <laughs> it's like it's over with, right? Or not like over, but it's like, bro, calm down. It's 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 for the uh, baby boomers of the world. My parents loved it. I haven't seen it. It's like a kid really wanted to make movies. Like, oh, really, Steven Spielberg? Like how you? revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to give it to the Daniels because everything everywhere all at once was just so good. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see that movie. It's yeah, it, we I've seen it now like four times, and every time I cry. Um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Music, original score, music, original song. Do we want to weigh in on music? Hold my hand, Top Gun. <laughs> That's it. If Top Gun wins any sort of Oscar, I think it's going to be Hold My Hand. It better be Hold My Hand. Yeah, I would would give it to that. Or uh, Lift Me Up by Rihanna. No, no, it wasn't that that good. Hold My Hand, like, brought it down. Okay, here it is. Best Picture nominees for those who cannot see the screen. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Ed Sheeran, Elvis, (laughs) Everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. The Fableman, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. Is it messed up that Whale is not on here? It. I don't think it is. I haven't seen it. I don't think it is. Over Top Gun, Maverick. It's the box office of it all. Is it the box office of it all? It, or is it the Tom Cruise of it all? It's the box office of it all. Tom so, Cruise literally so, did sh- save movies, and I'll give him credit. That's it. That's exactly it. Top Gun saved the movie industry. Mm. Top Gun brought over a billion dollars of movie revenue back into the movies when the, the pandemic shut down the movies for some permanently. We can have this conversation. Have you? How do you? What's your Avatar take? 
you hated it. Well, but do you are you Avatar gang? Like, do you? I'm like not Avatar gang. I enjoyed it. You I go you, to Pandora often. Like I, you know, I watched the first one. I liked it. I, I watched the second one. I liked it. I hate how they use their little umbilical dicks to like. <laughs> You know what I mean? To fly things. Uh-huh. It's very weird. I don't like it. And not uh, just that, but then they use it for everything. It's like the ultimate ox port. Uh-huh. And it pisses me every time. It's 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 a USB-C? For everything. I hate it. It's like, oh, there's this random animal. There's this tree. There's this thing. Just plug in plug a little it in. Um, um, plug umbilical it in. dicks. Let's go. I'm not mad at the world it. that's been created in Avatar. Do I world. think that it deserved a Best Picture nomination? I don't know. Apparently, it made like uh, all the billions of dollars. It did. I don't know three people who've seen it. Uh, you do. Who? One, two, three. Oh, fair. <laughs> okay, I don't know five people who've seen it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Avatar, sure. I, I'm not giving it to them. I think uh, I think Banshees is going to be the little sneaker. Because I think I could see everything everywhere mm-hmm. and Tar splitting it this time. Yeah. And I think Banshees. But And then I think this is going to be the one that everyone says... The Oscars got wrong, and it should have been everything everywhere. All I think once. everyone wants it to be. I think everyone wants it to be everything everywhere all at once. I think it should be everything everywhere all at once. I think if it does win, it's gonna break the industry because it's one of the most wildest out there. Like what the so fuck did we just saw um, movies? However, I could see it going to the Fablemans, mm. And I could also see it going to Banshees of Inisherin mm-hmm. because of uh, what what is it called preferential voting, right? You, they they rank one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So I could see how like one and two is going to be split between yeah. Avatar and everything everywhere, and then like Banshees is going to be like a solid number three, and mm-hmm. then just like outrank everything. Yeah. So. With it, we'll see on Sunday. Um, and then we won't actually wait talk today or next next Sunday? next Sunday. Oh, okay, cool. and then we won't get a, a chance to talk about it for a while because we're in AWP, we're gonna be at AWP all week. We're planning on recording a episode while we're at AWP. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan is to record at AWP. And then after that, I'm in Atlanta for a week. Speaking of Outcast, uh-huh. So we might not be able to record after the Oscars. I'll call you. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I have standards. I Fair. have standards. All right. Uh, that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening and tuning in. If you're still here on episode four, we appreciate you so much. Uh, we want to hear from you. Yeah, you can email us at after the number two tequila shots at gmail.com. That's right. And let us know what you think about the pod. Let us know if you hate it. Let us know what you want us to talk about because. Uh, let us know if there's something you see in the news that you're like, hey, what's up with this bullshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Po- po- point it in our directions and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, until then, my name is Chibi. You can follow me at Gemini's, G E M I N E Y E S, Gem in Eyes. I'm Rooster, uh, R-O-O-S-T-M-T-Z on Instagram. uh, And we'll be back live from Seattle at AWP next week. And you know what? I'm just going to throw this invitation out there. If you at AWP, you want to be on the pod. You uh, got a spot. Find us. Find us. We'll record on Saturday? Probably. Yeah, we'll record on Saturday. DM us. DM us. And come jump on the pod because I know a number of our friends that are going to be there, yeah. and I want you on Cesar, the pod. you're going to be there. That's Edward right. Biaude, if you listen, I don't think Edward does. Kemi Alibi. Hey, Kemi Alibi, listen to us. Come through. Yeah, we'll and see you. Us, let's talk about the, the Oscars or whatever. We'll see you in Seattle, y'all.